If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 16 through 18, which would be ending our study for these two letters. And so as we remember, we have the big idea of how are we to live life in light of Jesus's return. So there were trials for this young church with uh, tribulations outside of the church and as they were walking through difficult circumstances. But now there are problems within the church, as we saw last week, where there are people who became lazy and quit working. And so they were looking to others to provide for them. And so this was causing divisions. It caused conflicts. It caused confusion. And so the Apostle Paul tells them, as well as telling us, what we need to have in regards to correcting them. But then he also finishes with a double benediction. Prayers. Prayers for the people, for all who know Christ. And the things he tells us is that we should have the peace of Jesus Christ, the presence of Jesus Christ, and then the grace of Jesus Christ. So as we prepare ourselves, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is your word that we run to because it is truth. And Father, it's there that we find mercy and grace. We find your loving kindness. We find your sovereign control. But Lord, as we will read this morning, we find your peace. And Lord, we need your peace in these troubling times, Lord. We know that we are in the midst of tribulation and trials, both here and around the world. So Father, allow your Holy Spirit to minister to us the truths of your scripture Lord, that it might take deep roots in our minds and in our hearts, that we would apply it, and that we would understand truly what it means to have your peace and your presence with us. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. For I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, and this is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine, and in the way I write. For the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. As we begin to unpack this, the first thing we see is that there is the peace of Jesus Christ that Paul is asking for the Thessalonians. Now, we all know that we seek out peace We try to do it usually within worldly peace. Worldly peace is defined this way, freedom from disturbance or tranquility. The latest study in 2017 says this, of all Americans 18 years old and up, there were 17.3 million people who had a major depressive episode recorded in that year. So we understand that there is tons of people who are trying to find that absence of conflict. They want tranquility, and they look for it in regards to many different ways. They try to look for it in government. They try to find it within their money. They find it within family or just doing fun things. As we can see, that a lot of times can be worth fleeting We know, we see it here even within the the course of what we're going through with this COVID-19. 
We know that there are lots of people who would like to have that stream, that peace that surpasses all understanding, those beach scenes that come about where we would feel just tranquil and very peaceful. But the reality is the world can only settle for a truce. It's not something that is everlasting. It's something that's only momentary relief. And so it's a fleeting thing and it's easily destroyed. The Lord says this about the wicked from Isaiah 48, 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So again, we can look for all these things within the world, but they're only going to be temporary and fleeting and it will never, ever take care of the longings that we have with inside of us. So the Apostle Paul begins to talk about spiritual peace, a peace that we can have with God. And so what comes about is a reconciliation between us and God himself. And this flows from the Trinity. For the Father decreed that this would happen. The Son purchased it by his blood. And then the Holy Spirit brings and applies it to us. And so we can have peace with God, everlasting peace. And because this peace comes from God, what the reality is, is we can, as individuals, have what's known as shalom, which is a little different than human peace. It's not just an absence of conflict. It's a peace that is complete. It's a soundness. And it's something that only comes from God. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verses one through 10. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But more than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. So that's the reality that we are finding our shalom, our peace, and it's both an internal peace that we have with God, but it's also an external peace, which means that we can have peace with one another. Because the reality of the passage before this one, there are people who were dividing the church. They were going about it. They were making and creating scenarios where there was division and confusion. And the reality is, is God calls us to unity, not division. And so the reality of what had to happen last week was there's church discipline. And if we understand what church discipline is, there's a threefold promise to it. One is the glory of God. We do this because we want God to be glorified in all things. The second thing we have is the purity of the church. We maintain the purity with one another. And then the third thing is that we keep or we reclaim 
the disobedient sinner. It's not a punishment. It's a discipline. It's calling the person back to a right relationship with Jesus Christ, which means we come underneath the word. We come with uh, our brothers and sisters who call us back into the faith. And as such, we are then given the opportunity to go forth in unity. So that's what Paul is saying to the people. Hey, go back to work. Jesus hasn't come back yet. And so we can share with one another. And as we go forward, we forgive. And then we go forward as a united front. And so the reality is, is that they should know that we are Christians by our love. And so that's the peace of Jesus Christ that he comes to us. But there's something unique here that Paul says to the people. He says, I want you to know the presence of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is, if we're honest, all of us go home and at some point find ourselves alone. And we feel alone. So it doesn't matter whether you're married. It doesn't matter whether you have children. It doesn't matter whether you have friendships. At the end of the day, you put your head alone on your pillow. And so the reality is there is a sincere separation that occurs. And there can be a physical separation. Sinclair Ferguson said this about 2 Timothy 4.16. It's a, it's a verse that Paul gives as he's going before uh, the, the council and he's going to be judged. And he's talking about all these people who have left him. People that he sent, but people who have done wrong to him. And he said, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. So even the Apostle Paul finds himself in a place where he was physically deserted by all the people. And he said, please God, may it not be charged against them. See, isolation takes a toll on everyone. And so we have the reality that, uh, again, all of us understand that even introverts who look at this time and they go, yay, finally everybody gets to know what we get to know and, and enjoy what we get to enjoy. But even in isolation for introverts, we know we need one another. We were created for fellowship. We were created to be in communion with one another. And so the reality is, is there's a yearning for us to come back. There's a yearning for us to, to see one another, to, to hold each other's hands, to give each other a hug. There is that true desire because it's something that God has created us for. And he's created us for to help us in regards to our emotional health. Because the reality is, the more that we are secluded, the more that we are isolated, we begin to have conversations with ourselves. And I'm sure that many of you have already started to have it. You've already had these these thoughts going through your minds. And what happens is fear begins to rule our lives when that happens. And we begin to to think, everybody's out to get us. And so you begin to say, well, I, I don't even want to touch anybody I don't want to go out and touch anybody. And then we look at somebody who comes in and they, they have a cough. And, and what do you want to do? You want to shoot them. You want to take care of them. You want to get them out of the, the, the functions of the society because you want to take care of you. You want to be safe. But that's not a, a safe thing. And not only when that emotional health starts to crack, there becomes a spiritual battle then. And the spiritual battle begins to happen in such a way that we start to listen to the whispers of Satan. And he begins to tell us that, that no one cares. And if you haven't gotten a, a, a Facebook thing, you haven't gotten a call, you haven't gotten a text, you haven't gotten a, a, something that's happened for Skype or something like that, you start to feel like, well, no one cares. And I'm, I'm in this completely alone. And so how, how am I going to do this? And I want to emphasize to you a couple of things. Believe me that the staff 
elders and other members of this church are praying for you by name. They're praying for you for, for daily things. They're praying for you for protection. They're praying for God to lead and to guide you. And you can believe that. But the reality is, is sometimes when you're alone, that goes away. But more than anything, you should understand that there's only one who will never leave you or forsake you. And that's God. Don't look to your pastor. Don't look to your staff. Don't look to your elders. Don't look to other people to fulfill that desire, to fulfill that need that you have. Go to God. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying. We want God's presence with us. And so it's a a thing that we have to understand that, that, one, he's the source of our peace. Because it tells us in Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's his essence. It's a part of his character. It's who he is. He's perfect in his peace in all things. Even in his wrath, he's perfect. And so Hebrews 13.20 says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, he is the great shepherd of the sheep, and by the blood of the eternal covenant, he was made to you. So again, we get this reality that God is saying, I'm giving you my peace. And it's a, the part of who he is. But not only that, Jesus does not delegate this. Jesus doesn't give this away to, to um, angels. He doesn't give this away to just the Holy Spirit. He says it's his to give. Listen to John 14, 26 and 27. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. For listen, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In our own passage, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. See, he is not delegating this to anybody else. Jesus is with you at all times. And so he gives you his peace that surpasses all understanding. And as he gives us his peace, it means that the throne of God is always open. There's never a time, never a moment that you are ever separated from the peace that Christ has given to you through his love. And as such, then he says, it starts to impact the whole scope of his presence, which means he is present, how? In all circumstances. He was there when everything was going good. He was there when the economy was great. He was there when your stocks were growing. He was there when your kids were were safe and secure and healthy. He was there during all those good times. But it doesn't mean that it ends there. He's there even during the bad times. And the reality is, is that the Christian life is not trouble-free. God has not separated the COVID-19 and says, hey, for the evil people, they get COVID-19. But the Christians, they're unaffected. He doesn't do that. But he does remind us, again from John 14, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't get overwhelmed by this. 
Don't allow this to, to uh, take you and, and to start to destroy who you are and what you understand. We need to preach the truth of the grace of the gospel to ourselves daily. And as we understand that his presence of peace is regards to over things. And so we need to remember three things specifically. God is sovereign over every circumstance. This doesn't catch him off guard. COVID didn't sneak up on him. He knew what was going to happen. He knew how it was going to spread. He knew the reactions to it. And so God is sovereign over it. But listen, he doesn't just allow it to happen. He's present in the circumstance. He's here. He's with you. He walks through it with you. He doesn't allow you to just be alone. But not only that, not only is he sovereign, not only is he present, but he's working through the circumstances. He calls us to still build his kingdom. He still calls us to be joyful, to still glory in who he is. And so we have opportunities with our neighbors. We have opportunities with people at the grocery store. We have people that we have contacts with at the medical facilities. We have the opportunity to say thank you. We have the opportunity to ask to help. We have the opportunity to give what we have. We still have the opportunity to say that there is something unique and different with those who are Christians. Because God has called us to that peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's with us all the time. And then lastly, in verses 17 and 18, Paul says this. This is the sign of genuineness in every level of mine. It's the way that I write. Now, he does this because he wants us to understand the grace that he's going to talk about is truth. And he's saying this is authentic. Because, again, remember the, the Thessalonians had a letter that came and it was uh, written in Paul's name, and, but it was a false letter. And so Paul's trying to tell him, hey, I've written this with my own hand. This is how you know this is true. And he told us earlier in First Thessalonians that this is to be accepted as the word of God. And as such, we can trust his words. That's the reality of the scriptures that you have in your hand. It's called a canonicity. It's the reality that it's not man or a council who decided what should be in the Bible. It's God being faithful to who he is. God determined what is true. And he gave to us his words so that we can run to it and stand firm on it. It is our foundation for all of life. And all of our understanding. So we run to it. And he says, my sheep know my voice. My friend Chris is very clear about this. And I think it's uh, very helpful here. He says, if I truly believe that God was the God of all creation. And he spoke everything to existence by his word. Why would I think he got his book wrong? He doesn't. He has given to you his word, and it's the sure foundation. It's not shakable, and it speaks truth to us, and it's to that where we run. And so Paul says, as this is authentic and true, trust the words that I say to you, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And that understanding of grace is that we have to recognize that even if we try to get all of the peace in the world, if we have all of our things come back and we have everybody in our families good, all of our money comes back tenfold. All of our careers are not interrupted. Everything comes back. There's still a problem. And the problem's sin. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the thing that needs to have, the thing that we need to fix more than anything else is our heart issue. And so everything else that the world has to offer is temporary. And it's fleeting. We know that. We see it. 
But we have the root of sin, and sin brings conflict. And there is no cure for it except God. And so God, in his mercy and grace, comes and tells us this very last sentence. And he says, I have given you my son as that one perfect sacrifice. And that one perfect sacrifice endures the wrath of God so that we might have peace. He endures the wrath of God so that we might have peace and know it forevermore. See, because the treaty that God has with Jesus is signed in Jesus' blood. And Jesus pays it all. And it's all to Christ we owe. And then Christ gives to us by the power of the Holy Spirit this gift. And it's a free gift. It's not a loan like the government's going to try to do to us. It's a free gift. And we cling to it. So how do we respond? How do we respond to these words that the Apostle Paul has given to us? The first thing we do is we trust him. We need to know him intimately. So we go to his word. We read his word. We spend time in prayer. Get out the list of people. Go to the website and and get a, a list of the people that are around you. Text them. Call them. Skype them. Whatever it might be. But go and pray specifically for them. Come and have worship. Be thinking of the people around you. We long for you to be back here. We want to reach out and to touch you. We want to be a part of things, but we are still worshiping with God and the church around the world and the, the, those who have gone before us. And so we still get to worship and glorify and honor God. The second thing is love God. Because the more that we love him, the more that we understand peace. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Listen, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Love him. And as you love him... Go and try to seek out, how far can I go to be away from the love or the peace of Jesus Christ? You can't find it. And then the last thing is to obey. Obey what he's taught you. So we have these words from the Apostle Paul. May the peace of God be with you. May the presence of God and his grace be with you all, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've had this time to come and to hear your words and their timely words. Because we need to hear in the midst of this hard, hard trial where people are scared, people are confused. And so we hear what the Apostle Paul says, that we would have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Lord, that we would have the presence and we would know it. Not just mentally, but Lord, that we would recognize that you are here with us in our midst through all of the trials and tribulations. But Lord, more than anything, we appreciate that you've given us grace. That free gift of the gospel message that Christ gave his life to take away the wrath of you so that we might have the peace of God recognized in our lives. But Lord, that we would then have the desire to go out and to preach it to all who have ears to hear. 
so that they too might at one point be able to come with us and physically come to your house and to worship you and give you all glory and honor. For Lord, that is our desire. And so Father, we give you all glory and honor that you are rightfully due. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.